0: To another new amp podcast my name is ben dubose news editor with amp publications where i work for both coatings pro magazine and materials performance magazine on today's podcast we have a three-person panel joining us to discuss a new approach to corrosion management known as integrate external corrosion management or iecm for short this is a risk-based program incorporating inline inspection data modeling soil data and so much more to try and develop corrosion growth rates at the girth well level, while also allowing for models of different scenarios, all without having to send people out into the field. If it sounds familiar, we did recently publish articles about IECM in both the April and June print issues of MP, so we definitely encourage those of you listening to reference those. Joining us today for a deeper discussion about what this all means for the corrosion industry are Keith Parker, External Corrosion Specialist at Enbridge, Trey Johnston, Principal Engineer at Corpro, and Christopher Beatty, Manager of Corrosion Engineering at Elsica. They're all based in different parts of the world. Trey and Keith are in the United States, and Christoph is in Belgium. Guys, good morning, or I suppose good evening in Christoph's case. I think a good place to start would be by allowing each of you to introduce yourself to our listeners and give a little bit of your personal biography and story. Keith, we can start with you.
1: Well, uh, my name is uh, Keith Parker. I am the external corrosion specialist for Inbridge Liquid Pipelines. I've been in the uh, corrosion industry for more than 30 years now. Um, I have uh, been a member of NACE for over 25, as a matter of fact. Uh, my uh, uh, work history includes uh, actually starting in the field conducting surveys, uh processing data uh managing different projects uh everything from surveys to recoding to installation of anode beds and uh now i'm uh, at enbridge and uh, the uh, sme for the external corrosion prevention department
0: trey we can go to you
1: yeah trey johnston
2: uh principal engineer with Corpro. uh i've been with Corpro for 15 years uh, that represents all of my industry experience. Uh, I began with Fort uh, in 2007 as a corrosion engineer uh, where I got started working um, in the field for the uh, City of Houston water water protection corrosion management program. Uh, from there I've gotten involved with various other aspects of product protection and corrosion engineering. I uh, did a little stint in, in management and now Uh, As a principal engineer, my role is to provide technical assistance for uh, corporate North America engineering and to get involved in special projects like this one.
0: And finally, Christoph, you can uh, explain your story and your biography.
3: Yeah, hello. So, my name is Christoph Beatty. I'm responsible for the corrosion and cathodic protection division at the ELSICA. Uh, Our company specializes in computational modeling of pipeline corrosion and other electrochemical processes. Uh, I worked for 13 years as a corrosion expert in a variety of industries and I entered ELSICA in 2010. And I'm very happy to apply my practical knowledge in the computer modeling technology. So today I'm mostly responsible for um, developing new technologies at ELSEKA. one of which is the IECM program
0: at Enbridge. Keith, I'll let you explain how this all came to be. What were sort of the initial motivations when it came to Enbridge, looking into this Integrate External Corrosion Management Program, IECM for short? How and when did this all start, and what was the background to it?
1: Well, there's always been a lot of discussion about uh, developing risk-based programs. And at Enbridge, we, we have a lot of data. Um, we do a great job. Uh, uh, we have an excellent ILI program. We have an excellent DIG program. Um, we have a vast amount of data and the, the history of our, our structures. And we were looking for ways to better integrate that data and come up with uh, more meaningful data. Um, so uh, we started talking throughout the industry and uh, it the the digital twin technology uh, seemed to be the logical next step that really allowed us to integrate all the different pieces of data uh, improve the reliability and the performance of the system and do so much more i mean with a digital twin, you have this virtual information available, and you can construct a, a, the representation of of, a, of the structure, uh, of the context, and the behavior of the physical asset. And if you keep that digital twin updated with current information, you can then use the virtual twin to help project how that system will act in the future, and run simulations on it and uh, uh, ways that you can make better informed decisions that that truly realize some value so you know the digital twins just uh, just seem to make the most sense to us
0: and when did you guys reach out to other partners in this case Corpro pro and elsica i know you've got some others as well but when and how do they come into play
1: well over the last couple of years we've been uh, talking with with elsica and and other groups um about our, our goals and our objectives, um, and uh, you know they've they've played a big part in in developing that. Um, I, I would say probably the last uh, uh, three to five years or so uh, that that we've been uh, we've been talking about this. Troy
0: what's Corpro's role in this project? I'll defer to you on that, and we're trying to figure out how all of this works together.
2: So, I think you know, Keith did a great job of, of explaining kind of all the different pieces and, and groundwork that have been laid over the past several years uh, within Enbridge, uh, all the, the technologies that they've explored and uh, different groups that they have and their, their capabilities. Um, so, Corpro, what we, what we do is we also have uh, various SMEs varied, with varied backgrounds, um, that we can bring to bear to help with the development of the integration of all, these, of all these pieces and technologies. So, my role is primarily to understand the work that's been done uh, by Keith and, you know, the various groups that have been involved in the past, where we want to go with it, and then bring uh technical resources to bear to, to aid and facilitate with the development.
0: First off, what are some of the things that ELSIC has done to this point what is uh, elseica's role as we sit here in 2022
3: yeah so as mentioned Elsica is uh, specialized in developing uh, computational models so for this particular project we have uh, mechanistic models in place that forms uh, the basic for the digital twin concept that um, Keith described so these models are based on finite and boundary element methods and uh, what we've do is we build a digital twin of the pipeline networks uh, that represents the physical pipeline assets as well as the associated cp system and the corrosion prevention systems and uh, these models compute the cp current that flows from the anode to the pipeline and back to the rectifier uh, and that is modeled in a three-dimensional space we can also add uh, um, high voltage uh, power lines and third party pipeline systems so, in the end, with these models, we compute the pipe soil potentials and the current densities along the pipeline. And that's calculated for the full length of the network uh, with the granularity or level of the pipe joints. So, basically, we use Enbridge data, which are pipeline properties, ILI data, survey, and monitoring data. Uh, to calibrate the models uh, such that they represent the real-world conditions of the pipeline. And then uh, we can also check the performance of the corrosion prevention system. Uh, As said, uh, interference from third-party systems like high voltage power lines and and transient systems can be included as well in the model. So you get a kind of uh, a a good representation on uh, the external corrosion threats uh, that may occur on the pipeline. So, so far we have computed a significant portion of the Enbridge pipeline network. Uh, the simulations first start by computing the on potential on the pipeline and then we iterate on the unknown conditions, which most of the time are uh, the coating conditions. And after these iterations, uh, we obtain a good alignment with the pipe to soil potential measurements at the test stations. Uh, And once that we have a robust model, you can further uh, explore the model and use the model to um, uh, investigate kind of what-if scenarios. So, this means, for example, you can determine what is the most critical rectifier in your system, uh, where you have to install uh, monitoring devices in the most strategic uh, test stations, locations. So, these models can be explored uh, uh, for uh, for many purposes. Uh, What we also try uh, to do within the program is to um, translate these spark to salt potentials into corrosion rates that uh, can be then compared with the ILI data on on the longer term.
0: I'll let each of you jump in on these next few questions as you see fit, but I guess my first one would be about the feedback. What have you heard to this point from anyone outside of your group that's seen this? Um, What are their takeaways from these early models and what you've put together to date?
1: so far the the feedback from the industry has been extremely positive there are a a lot of groups individuals who feel that this is this is the direction that corrosion management needs to go uh, that we go beyond uh, just looking at a a potential measurement and look at uh, the the system as a whole Um, and it really does provide uh, the operator with the ability to uh, make projections into the future, uh, to identify and, and help with uh, forecasting, and it eliminates um, a, a, a good portion or, or a portion of uh, the testing that's required out in the field. Um, so it, it's been very positive to date.
0: Are there any common questions that you get when people are first looking at this or hearing about the model are there any themes in terms of just you know not going to say their skepticisms but just their questions about what the capabilities are
1: well probably the the thing that uh, uh, most of the companies do ask about or or inquire a little bit more about are you know the the ability of of the digital twin to um Optimize your system uh, to to look at the influence of your different anode beds and identify the optimal outputs of your rectifiers, um, it, and the ability for that just you know to potentially decrease the risk of interference and uh, possibly increase the the lifespan of the of the anode bed. Um, it, and also with the what-if scenarios, uh, being able to run multiple scenarios and, and identify the, uh, the best locations or uh, the best types of, of anode beds or uh, the impact that bonds will have or may have on, on a particular location. Um, it, it, uh, it, it's probably the biggest thing that uh, uh, other operators comment on.
0: What are some of the next steps as we move forward from here? What are you guys, for the remainder of 2022, as we get towards 2023, what's next in the development of this system?
2: Yeah, so um, essentially what we've started with, as I mentioned before, is we know what the pieces are, the pieces of the puzzle that we need to integrate. And uh, from there, we've we've created a framework of a process uh, which feeds into – what do we do next? The, the answer to that question is, well, we have to start doing the work, um, which means case studies. We've already uh, started uh, our first major case study, which, you know, that you mentioned the two articles previously have, uh, you know, given the description of the, the background on those. Um, so with those case studies, we formulated uh, Validation testing plans, uh, getting out in the field and executing those plans uh, to support our conclusions with our case studies, I think is going to be very important to uh, continue the development of the program. So, um, you know, the program itself, as mentioned in the introductory article, is it represents a continuous improvement cycle. Every year we do this, we get we gain more knowledge and better understanding of how the pipelines are 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 being operated in the in the threats that are out there Um, we're we're following the same kind of process in the development of the program itself so framework feeds into case studies validation testing and then we take what we learn and we put it back into the to the process in in a continuous improvement cycle Uh, and then from there we we expect to continue with case studies until we've done enough of them to to feel like we've got a representative uh, mix of different uh, conditions in the field uh, to make this program really work for for anything we might throw at it, and then from there uh, the process documentation that would we'll have to follow from that, and then continuing to prove it out and to demonstrate its effectiveness to the industry.
0: Trey, as a quick follow-up to that, uh, just at a high level uh what were the case studies that i know you've published a couple of them in mp but you mentioned the conditions what were those specific conditions and what are maybe some of the other conditions that you're trying to simulate in your future case studies
2: so with with the conditions we're we're talking about um you know the the age of the pipeline different Mm -hmm. coating systems uh the soil uh, corrosivity or aggressiveness of the environment the natural environment itself and then other things such as uh, high voltage AC the presence of that you know uh, not everywhere has it you know it's, it poses a different threat so uh, when you've got a seventeen thousand mile pipeline network or a footprint just for liquids uh, we we're going to see all different manner of conditions that our, our pipelines are going to be exposed to. So, we just need to make sure that, uh, you know, first case study, we, we wanted to start a little simpler, but, you know, next case studies, as we learn more and we further develop the program, we're probably going to be throwing uh, areas that are, are more sensitive and have different uh, threats there that, that we need to study and understand and make sure that our, our program can handle it.
0: Christoph, is there anything different that you all are going to potentially do on the modeling side with these upcoming case studies? Is it all pretty much the same for you, or are there new things that you're going to be uh, trying to work in in your upcoming models?
3: No, it's pretty standard work. What we see by time is that the discrepancy between uh, the simulated values and the measured values and that is uh, part of the gap analysis Mm -hmm. Uh, these discrepancies can be due to uh, the incompleteness of data or the incorrectness of some data uh, so that these models will also help to identify these gaps and and to go back into the field and uh, collect more data that are required to make these uh, models more robust
0: at a high level once we get a few years from now into the late 2020s, the 2030s, and what have you, what does this potentially mean for the corrosion industry? What can this, assuming it continues to scale and you continue to have success and your further analysis of these case studies, what can this ultimately do for day-to-day operations in this industry?
1: Well, we think that this is uh, really a game changer for for corrosion management. Uh, you know, not only are we able to run the simulations without sending people out in the field, but but you know we can identify the the test stations that are most important um, that that determine the the uh, adequacy of CP. Um, and we can identify or the re- identify the, the rectifiers that uh, influence and how they should be optimized. But even more than that, uh, we can make decisions based on risk um, and and acceptable risk, um, so that we're not. Uh, uh, Spending resources and uh, spending time, um, just trying to to achieve compliance with with a, a specific criteria, um, because we we know that uh, it, just because you don't have uh, compliance with a certain criteria, it doesn't mean that you will have corrosion for sure um, and that uh, just because you do achieve compliance with the criteria it, it doesn't mean that you won't have have corrosion um, the possibility exists on on both sides um, so, with, with the digital twins, with the IECM program, we're really looking at, at uh, uh, the relative risk and corrosion growth rates and um, a, a, a more well-rounded view of, of what uh, uh, corrosion management should be.
0: Just in terms of the timeline, do you have any idea yet as far as what the next few years might look like?
1: Well, this year we are are focusing on uh, validating the accuracies of the digital twins Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, finalizing the uh, high level process development. and then uh, next year we hope to get into more complex models that we can evaluate and uh, validation of those as well as uh, validating or, or running the models on um, some of our lines and assets uh, that. Have uh, uh, more potential in them. Um, so uh, so we can see what, uh, what the results are for those. Uh, we're, we're also doing a lot of, of what we call back testing, where we're actually taking the data from, say, five, 10 years ago and uh, running the models on that, and then comparing it to um, how things actually turned out uh, based on the ILI runs and, and the examinations uh, in the field so we can you know, see if there are any gaps in it or, or how accurate uh, our models were.
0: Is there anything that we haven't touched on in the last 20 minutes or so before we wrap up and we'll get to contact information and all that stuff as far as resources for our audience, but before we wind down, is there anything that any of you three would like to add that we haven't discussed already, as far as where ICM is right now? Yeah, yeah I, I would. Be, uh, sorry, Trey, okay. go ahead.
2: Okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, you know, for me, the what this represents is uh, external corrosion management program activities—the day-to-day, basically catching up with the technology that's nice. been being developed over the past decade. Um, to me, this is. Like he said, it's a game changer. Um, it's going to help uh, companies work smarter and uh, put the resources where they need to be. So, uh, you know, if we we've, we've validated everything and we we really have a great understanding of how uh, you know, the conditions that the pipeline is exposed to, um, maybe we don't need to send uh, our people, you know, across country. Uh, to check out a test point where we're, we have a high degree of confidence that we don't have an issue and then we can send them to a location where maybe we maybe our modeling and all our, our work indicates that hey we might need to spend more time over here so that's just an idea of being more efficient with our uh, external corrosion management resources. And I think by doing this we're going we're going to be improving the safety of our, our, not only our personnel, but also the public. Um, So, I'm just, I'm very excited to be a part of the team. Um, I think it's going to be, once we we roll it out and and prove that it works, it's going to be a great benefit to uh, not only asset operators, but also uh, the general public at large.
0: Christoph, you were going to jump in. Yeah, exactly. So uh, on, on the longer
3: term, uh, you can also use the digital twin models to, to synchronize with the uh, RMU and survey databases to fully automate your process. So that will uh, make uh, the assessment much more easier, much faster, uh, and also the reporting of this assessment towards uh, the regulatory bodies uh, or within the organization will
0: be uh, much easier. Yeah, I think that's a really encouraging note that we can end on. guys. Before we sign off, for anyone listening that wants more information, either from your company or from you personally, how can they get that? Basically, leave us some contact information in terms of um, website, those types of resources, and also your personal email or ways that they might can get in touch with you. Um, Trey, we can start with you.
2: Yeah, www.corpro.com. That's C-O-R-R-P-R-O.com. Uh, my email is J at Aegion That's J J O H N S T O N at A E G I O N dot com.
0: Christoph, you can go for Elsica. Yeah, sure. So um,
3: our website is uh, www.elsica.com, dot acom dot com. Uh, my email address is christophe.baede.elsyca.com, so it's C-H-R-I-S-T-O-B-H-E dot B-A-E-D-E at E-L-S-Y-C-A dot com. Uh, so we have uh, the headquarters here in Belgium, but we also have a um, uh, local
0: office in Denver, uh, New United States. Keith, I'll let you wrap up on behalf of Enbridge.
1: All right, uh, it's uh, Keith.Parker at Enbridge.com, that's K-E-I-T-H dot P A R K E R at E-N-B-R-I-D-G-E dot com and um, just just one more note in here is you know we've got uh, uh, Trey and Christoph from their companies but we do have other companies that are involved in this and and we want to get involvement throughout the industry uh, we want other companies to take a look at this and what our program is and and run things by them and and uh, you know have a transparent program um, for example, we have uh, uh, engineering director EDI, they're, they're working on uh, different aspects of, of the modeling and the inputs to the modeling. And we also have uh, corrosion service uh, working on process documents and procedural documents. So um, we do want uh, industry uh, involvement in this, and, and we certainly want people to contact us if, if they're interested.
0: Yeah, I think we should also encourage, by the way, we referenced leading off, but those two MP articles in April and June, you can just Google materials performance April 2022 or materials performance June 2022 and find those, but those will provide more details than what we were able to cover in the Thirty minutes or so that we've been doing this podcast and so for anyone that's potentially interested in getting involved or simply wants to ask more questions please reference those articles in our past issues of mp which you can find online for free you can also find some coverage on our website at materialsperformance.com and i think that can potentially answer some questions but also give you a little bit more background on the system so that if you are interested in potentially getting more involved that you'll have more uh intel on exactly what your role potentially could be, and what IECM is ultimately trying to do. With that, we'll sign off. For Christoph, Trey, and Keith, I'm Ben Dubose. I mentioned the materials performance website, materialsperformance.com, but also if you want more information from AMP, the association, it's ampp.org. And also for Codings Pro, the other pub that I work with, codingspromag.com, is our website for the Codings Pro magazine by monthly publication. Folks, this is where we will wrap it today. As always, thanks for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.